Hello and welcome to another episode of the Mac and Jack podcast. I am Jack. And I'm Mac. And on today's show, we have Carl McDougall, an absolute pillar of the photographic community. You may be familiar with his excellent video work on YouTube, in particular the analog series where he takes you along for the photo making journey. More recently, he has moved from the Great White North to the UK. And as someone who just made my own Brexit, I've got to know what brings him over to Blighty. Kyle, thank you so much for joining us. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Appreciate you having me. What uh, a proper intro. It was. That was quite a fancy intro. It was. Uh, yeah. Well deserved. <laughs> yeah, thank you for that. But uh, as to your question about coming here, my, my wife's from here. So that's what that's what brings me to the UK. But that's like the question everyone asks me. Why? Why? Why are you in England? Why did you go to the UK? Like it's it seems like it's one of those like grass is always greener. Right. Like I talk to people in Canada and they're like, that's so cool. Like you're going to, you know, England. There's gonna be so much to see and to travel. And then people here are like, why did you leave Canada and come here? <laughs> but yeah, grass is always greener. I mean, so, it's definitely, definitely greener compared to where I am in California, where all the grass is dead. Yes. Um, I, I, I miss the green grass of home. <laughs> or, or on fire over there, uh, Jack. Yeah. <laughs> That's too close to home, literally. <laughs> yeah, yeah, same here, man. Um, so how are you liking it so far, Kyle? Like from a photographic standpoint, is there a lot of opportunities, you know, seemingly endless well of content out there? Yeah, I mean, there is for sure. It's just one of those things that like the first, probably like the first four months of living here, we were like, I basically, I got here like end of October last year and then it, we went into lockdown and we went into like the longest lockdown. Uh, so it wasn't until like April, like basically up until April, it was like, just couldn't go anywhere. So that was tough. I mean, tough for everyone, right? But it just in terms of like moving to a new country and being excited to explore. But certainly over the past like two months, now that we can kind of get out a little bit, uh, it's all, yeah, it's all pretty new to me. So like a lot of like, I have a lot of places I want to visit, a lot of places I've been researching, but uh, I certainly, everything is new to me. So it seems like there's all sorts of possibility, but at the same time, it's also like very different. So like where I was in Canada, share some like similarities in a way, just with like the palette and the surroundings, right? Like a lot of green and stuff like that. But the work I was doing before I moved here in the deserts was like completely different, right? It's like yeah, brown, brown mm -hmm. and blue and wide open. So here it's like, you know, a lot of green, just a completely different landscape. But uh, but at the same time, it's cool. Like, you know, where I am, or I guess kind of anywhere in England, you're like a couple hours from the coast at any point, no matter which kind of way you drive. So that like, you know, it's been cool to explore the coast, been going up to Wales, learning about history. So I think like really for me right now, it's like just not rushing things, you know, like I'm not like... I'm not like, I got to make stuff. I'm more so like, let's just explore and like see, nice. see what I find and see what really kind of grabs my interests, which I think is important to do. Yeah, that's great. And things are opening back up now so you can get out and about. For sure. Yeah, exactly. We, there's like, now there's no like limitations in terms of like where you can travel and how far you can go and stuff like that, at least in like inside the country. So, uh, mm -hmm. Yeah, been going up to Wales is kind of like my place that I've been going right now. I was spent some time in the south. I was just up in the north. And uh, there's like little like I'm discovering places that are really exciting me and kind of grabbing my interest and stuff. And uh, just going to kind of see where that goes and be patient and have fun with it. Because am, am, I, am I correct that it's like from where you are in the UK, like for you to get to like Northern Wales, it's about like three and a half hour drive or something like that? Yeah, I think it took me like four and a half hours 
which uh, okay. like I, I went up one morning and, and stayed then like slept in my car that night and then drove back the, the next evening. <laughs> so oh, it was nice. like, but for me, that's like not, it's not huge distances. Yeah. Cause I'm, I'm sure uh, you may have come across some, some folks uh, locally being like, you drove four hours. Totally. Why? Like, yeah. No, no one, no one gets it in the UK. Like, yeah. It's like, that's, that's way too far. How yeah. could you possibly do this? Like, well, you just, you just go. It's funny you mentioned that. Everyone says that. They're like, you drove where? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, that's the kind of appeal to me, right? Is like there's so many there's like the one thing I'm learning is certainly in England and then in Wales, like basically in the UK, from what I've seen so far, is there's so much diversity in like short distances. So like, you know, I'm kind of close to London here. We're not not much stuff around here. Interesting. But, you know, I can be to the coast in like an hour and a half. I can be to another coast and like two and a half hours, Northern Wales. So like, there's a lot to kind of explore. It's, I think it's a matter of like finding an area now and like diving into it a little deeper. Yeah, you were talking earlier about how, you know, I think it was in Canada, it was more brown desert landscape and going to more green. And, you know, like we talked about in the pre-show, I'm making a, a 3,500 mile trek from the desert in, of Arizona to the excessively lush and green southeast and i'll tell you what i've been really concerned about like how that's going to impact my photography um so many things to think about right in the desert i can shoot almost any time of the day and i'm not gonna mm -hmm. have to worry about trees blocking my subject you know full light not having to worry about a cloud blotting out the perfect subject and having to wait for that cloud to pass and then the green color cast i'm, I'm freaking out like uh, have, have you, in the short time that you've been able to get back out and shoot after lockdown, um, seen any forced changes in your approach, any concerns that you had about changing the, the landscapes that you're surrounded by? Yeah, I think it's just like, again, being patient and like, because you certainly like, the thing I noticed is when I, like a, a lot of my work, like I said, was in the desert. So yeah, you like, you know, full, like never before in my photography career had I shot like midday sun, but it just, it worked out there for like the, you know, the subjects and the style I was going for and stuff. So it's like you, you kind of get these like creative habits when you're working on that. So then when I got back to, you know, doing work in Canada and then here in England as well, it's like, I just worked the same way, but it wasn't working. Right. So like this film stocks I was using, like basically you, I, I think you really have to like tailor the light and your creative approach and your choice of film stocks and the way you process to the subject matter and the landscape. So I'm still very much trying to like figure out what that is. But here I've been working in black and white quite a bit for the first time ever. Um, I've been shooting on a lot of like uh, overcast days with like dramatic sky. So basically like a complete departure from, you know, shooting with portrait 400 shooting midday, you know, the way I was processing. So it is like, it takes time to like, it's almost like a little bit of like a rediscovery again, which, um, which the work I did in the desert was at one point as well, you know, before I started doing that work, I was doing other work and it took time to kind of like discover how I wanted to, to work with those subjects and stuff. So that's kind of like, to be honest, that's the fun part of it. Cause I'm like, I'm definitely the type of person where like, um, routine scares me. And I, I feel like I've changed things up a lot. Like after like, after like a period of time of doing something, I always get like itchy to try something else. So I think this has come at a good point where it's like, now I'm like trying new film stocks and working in different yeah. weather conditions and trying different processing styles. So still very much trying to figure it out, but, uh, it's been a change for sure. And I guess yeah. it's been, uh, 
interesting going from a sunny 16 mindset to a sunny eight because um, <laughs> the it is just not bright like in, in, in comparison i mean um but to touch on your point about uh different film stocks so what stuff have you been exploring lately or uh, like experimenting with uh so like i said i've been shooting a lot of black and white um which just seems to like Seems to be working. I don't think I like the color green. I think that's what I'm starting to discover. Oh, no. mate. Oh, is, is yeah, I know, I know. That's hence the black and white. But when I was back in Canada and I was shooting with Porch 400 and stuff like that, it just like, I, maybe I just haven't discovered how to treat it yet and how to process it. Um, but here I've been shooting a lot of black and white. So for me, never really worked. I've always been a color shooter, even when I was working with digital. And then ever since I've been working with film, like never shot black and white, except like years ago in film school. So it's been this like new uh, kind of discovery of like trying, like, you know, trying out all these different black and white film stocks. So I've been shooting, I've been shooting a lot of T-Max 400, which I've kind of narrowed down as like one of my favorites. Um, But it's, it's, again, since it's all so new to me and I'm just trying to stay open, it's changing a lot. So like I tried a bunch t-max i love i still do but now as i shoot it more i'm like now i'm like okay try x you know i'm like maybe i do want a little more grain and and character so but i would say like those two you know i got on like the hp5 train obviously like which is totally and it's like super affordable here and i and i think i just need to work with it a little more but it's not like it it still hasn't sold me compared to like uh t-max just has this like it's got some nice uh, drama to it, and it's pretty contrasty. So I've been enjoying yeah, that. So sharp, such it's a sharp, film. super sharp. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, that's good to hear uh, that you're going through that as well with the greens and, and all of that. And it's interesting talking about choosing black and white um, in in the camera as opposed to converting to post because I know it is like blasphemy to say that, but I'm a color guy too. If you look at my feed, man, there may be a, a handful of black and white images but how i feel about it is i don't want to i i dislike black and white so much and love color so much that i hate to commit to a complete role of black and white and i feel like in post i can just flip the switch to black and white now i know that uh black and white film stock of course has the silver in it and it has different toning that can't be achieved by simply converting but it's like once you make that commitment and put that 36 in there or 10 if you're in a 6 7 or something like that uh you're stuck right it's black and mm-hmm. black and white or nothing uh, totally. that's a huge commitment yeah but that, that's a it's a great option that i didn't consider for when i go out there that transition because i feel like for the first time in photography career that i'm i really love my work man and i'm i think i'm gonna take a step back but to your point maybe that's good get a new set of skills or maybe become a black and white shooter yeah it's never bad to switch things up and uh experiment with new things i think it's like at least for me it's like an, an absolute necessity um i think i'm at the point now where like i'm far enough along in my like creative career and i've been doing it for long enough that i've noticed that this isn't just like um like a coincidence you know going through these phases of switching things up i i've learned that for me it's like i just always want to i guess like i'm just curious i always want to try new things and uh yeah, just keep like this the flame going a little bit, you know. I <laughs> maybe yeah. I just get bored easy. I don't know. I can I can completely relate to that. Mm. Um having just gone from a period of I think I pretty much only shot um color thirty five for a year. And don't get me wrong, I didn't shoot much, but it's all I shot. So <laughs> technically. And now making the conversion back to black and white has just been it it's just, just helped helped a lot and 
keeping yeah keeping things fresh it's just fun to use a different set of tools and yeah and, you, know, yeah, and you have to see in black and white almost and see that high contrast scene as opposed to like color you know like one color can pop out and be the point of interest that you really want to hone in on in your composition but black is more of a general mood the entire composition does that lend itself to black and white where color it can be that one pop of color and who cares about everything else as long as you isolate that color mm -hmm. subject um that's really interesting i'm gonna have to give it a try but i really hate developing black and white film man oh, it's it's fine. It's, if you can do color you can do black and white it's just like in arizona i can never first of all get my tap water that cold out of the tap i was having mm. to like cool it down to get it to that temperature and and there's just so many different types and the times are so different i love c41 because i can throw everything from my trip into one bucket you know one wash yeah. and it's all going to come out in three minutes and 30 seconds of uh dev and eight minutes of blicks right but not not with uh, black and white and then you don't have the benefit of removing all the dust and scanning and yeah and the, I think that the the difficult thing, like I, I don't develop my own color, but I develop my own black and white purely from like a convenience type of thing. Um, but as I like, I, I've only been doing it for about six months now. Um, and the thing I noticed is like, you, you know, the, the Internet is like the this endless source of information, but at times there's too much. Right. And you get into a topic like developing. Oh, totally. And it can be the most overwhelming thing in the world because you go and like you read a forum post where there's like tons of information and great knowledge, but it's just like this, it's like being puked on you, right? It's like, yeah, right. this person's HC10 with agitations every yes. 15 seconds. You should only water. use Dectol. No, yeah. 1911. <laughs> yeah. You're wrong. Yeah. Ah, and like, God, and like, do it and correctly. Like, and no one's wrong, right? These are all no, correct. Right. But, but it's the just most like, annoying thing. They're all correct, but there's too many correct. Yeah. Just so pick one. When I started doing mine, it was like I started with like an Ilford starter kit and then I went to like uh, DDX. That's it. I've tried two developers and then it was like DDX works. And I'm like, great. That's what I'm using. <laughs> yeah. 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 That's what I'll use is DDX. It's the easiest. And that's what I was using before. Um, but I did just shoot Cinestill uh, double X and 120. Oh, yeah. Uh, I, did, I did a video on that and shot it in a Pentax 6.7 and use their D96, and that was really easy and straightforward, but I don't like the ones where i got to constantly like subtract seconds or add seconds to development time. See, it's all these intricacies, and you just throw it in a bucket for 3.30, but I'll, I'll get over <laughs> it once I shoot green and the color cast is on everything. I'll be like, just you know wait, what? Just wait. I'm good with color. I'm good <laughs> for a while. I need a break. Yeah. I'm not looking forward to it, Kyle. Um, so... Uh, I want to talk briefly. I mean, so you've established yourself in the career, obviously, as someone who is looked up to in the film community, which is great and awesome. But subtract the community and just focus on yourself. What What do you want with your like? I've been wanting to ask you What do you want to do with your with your photography passion? Right. I understand that it's going into YouTube, but like, it has to be something personal to you. Uh, photography in general, but specifically choosing a film camera and when you're taking these images what what do you want them to say about like you your decisions and where they should go and I, I know that seems like a deeply philosophical question but i mean you're putting stuff on out there on the internet for people to evaluate judge and, and all of that but what do you what are you going through what do you want that to be do you do you just let it be organic or, or do you have some point way out in the distance that you're walking towards 
Yeah, it's a good question. And honestly, it's one that I feel like is changes or not changes, but that I'm like refining constantly. And what's funny is like, so I'm 30, I'll be 37 this year. I've been doing video and photography as like a full-time gig since I was about 24. Um, so it's certainly been this long process of like refining what that is in my, in my head. And like, certainly for like the first half of my career, like I, I can say it now because I recognize that it was kind of ego driven, right? Where like a lot of the stuff I was doing without really realizing it was to try and do like bigger and better things that in return got me recognition, right? And that sounds like really awful to say, but I think a lot of us do that without realizing it, right? Like, right. of course. I completely agree. Yeah. Like, you know, what's like, I, and then I guess what started to happen is like, um, when I had like little wins and little successes, it was so short lived. And I started to like analyze, like, what are the trade-offs in my like personal life and even just like the enjoyment of my creative career that I was making for these wins. And in the end, is it worth it? And it's funny, like, as I get older, it's starting, I, I guess where I'm trying to go with this is trying to say like, it's starting photography for me, like, yes, my work is important. You know, I, I'm working on a book right now of my American uh, West stuff. Like the, these, pro I care about these projects and they all have meaning and they all have a message. But like, I almost think the most important thing for me is that my photography and like creative career has become like a, like a, like a vehicle for like experiences and relationships and the ability to like help other people. It's, I know that's just really vague, but like, for instance, I was saying before we started recording, I went on this big trip to Wales. It was a little bit of like a gong show. Uh, in the end, I didn't come back with any images. And in the past, like years ago, I would have been so like, like pissed off that, you know, my, my film got fogged and the images didn't turn out and I drove all this way and spent all this time. But now I'm just like, I had this incredible experience. I went to this amazing place for two days. I did this hiking. I was like present. You know, I worked on my craft. So I really think that like, yes, uh, the, you know, I'll always make, I'll always be serious about the photos I'm creating and, the, and you know, what those are going to turn out to be. But I, I, I think that like, in a way, the experience is almost starting to become a little more important. Yeah, it sounds like um, the the photos are what drives you to go there, but you can still collect gratification of just being there and being present in the area. And like you say, the, the experience side of it. So if, if things do go tits up, you can still think, damn, no pictures, but that was a really good weekend. Like, totally. That was awesome. Well, we and we all experience that, right? Like if mm -hmm. and it's so easy for it to get lost, right? Like think about it. You can go to like a location and something doesn't go right or like the weather doesn't come together. And it's so, at least for me, it's so easy to be like, oh, like it's so frustrated and be like, if only I was here a day before. But it's like it kind of it, it kind of doesn't matter, right? Like it, oh. in the end, like it can be like a little disappointing and stuff like that. But and I think it's OK to get like fr a little frustrated and disappointed. But I guess like. For me now, I'm trying to not let that like overshadow um, like all the other great things, even like, you know, relationships with people or like um, certainly on like with the work I'm trying to do online, like helping other photographers, you know, even ha like conversations like this, I think are important. Like there's so many things that come with photography that are, are, are really kind of rewarding, not just the like making an image that everyone likes. <laughs> I completely agree. And it. Mm -hmm kind of acts like a uh, a passport into other people's lives that maybe totally. have 
um, necessarily cross paths before and can start so many conversations and not to sound cheesy and businessy, but the opportunities, it opens up <laughs> opportunities for you. Um, totally. But like, really. Like, well, then it also just that? puts you in some like ridiculous situations sometimes where you're like, why am I here doing this? Like in a good <laughs> way, right? Like you would never be doing this otherwise, like 4.30 a.m. in some like, you know, crazy spot. Kind of <laughs> thing. It's just like, I, if uh, I didn't, if I wasn't shooting photos, I'd be at home sleeping right now. Yeah, so, and having yeah. to explain to like non-photo folks like, yeah, so I got here at this time. Like, why you do this? You're yeah. Because like, the image. Why picture, are you taking a like, picture of that dumpster over there? <laughs> just like um, for, for for so long, like w when I first visited the US, don't ask why I had an obsession with drinking fountains because in the UK they're just they're, they're quite rare. So seeing them everywhere here, I was like, this is a novelty to me. And whenever we'd go out, like whoever I was with, they're like, Jack, why are you taking a picture of that stupid drinking fountain again? Why do you care? I was like, I honestly don't know, but it's nice. <laughs> it makes me feel good. That's the beauty of it. Yeah, you gotta you gotta focus on whatever interests you. Yeah, I I definitely think for me, photography is is kind of similar in that I think it saved me from a life of mediocrity, and that's that seems like a really bold statement. But what I mean is, like for example, I'm on a like I need to be in I'm moving to Charlotte, North Carolina, and I could have driven there in two thousand miles and got there in five days, but because of film photography. I've chosen to really stretch that out to 3,500 miles and go to places I wouldn't have normally gone gone to. And that is exactly, exclusively because of photography. I, I would have, mm -hmm. you know, I'd be that guy that just works my job. I do my two weeks vacation per year and go to the same spots everybody else does. But yeah, I mean, Monday morning, I'm going to wake up uh, in Grand Tetons at a T.A. Moulton barn in front of that, you know, the mountain range at 4.30 a.m. Yeah. like you're talking about. I'm be like, what the hell am I doing here? And then just that it's just it's forcing me into living life and I, I really appreciate that totally yeah no i i agree man and it's like i think the more you can be like the more you can be like conscious of that in the moment the more fun it is like again this trip i did to snowdonia it's like i'm hiking this like ridiculous amount with like a four by five camera and i'm trying to fly a drone and i you know my boots are laced up too tight and my ankles are like bruised and swollen like just all of these ridiculous things <laughs> like it's this absolute gong show of a mess but i'm just like yeah i wouldn't, I wouldn't want it any other way <laughs> exactly yeah so so what what's next where, where where are you going with the channel next moving on to the channel side of things you know what i'm like i'm still trying to figure that out honestly like i've been I think I started my YouTube channel like three years ago. I started it when I I was traveling. Me and my wife lived in a trailer for almost a year. We sold our house and stuff and did a big road trip. And I started it because I was not doing filmmaking anymore. I'd left my my previous business. So it was like a way to like try and, you know, t help teach people stuff as I learned, you know, stuff and got into film photography. And then when we finished our trip, I got back and I got back into the video production filmmaking side of things. So I actually, I don't think I put a video up for almost a year. I took this like big hiatus and it wasn't until last March, essentially when, you know, we started to move over here, I, I figured like, okay, maybe I'll tr try doing this like full time. Uh, so I, I have been for since last March and it's honestly, it's been a massive learning curve um, and just it's had major ups and downs too, like in terms of like, do I want to do this this much or not? Because for me, like all my channel has always just been like, 
uh, help, like how can I help people, right? So like whatever I make, I wanted to have some sort of like message or like te something technical, like just something that someone can take away from it. Um, I just, I struggle trying to make things that are just like um, purely entertainment, which is like, is different for everyone. So um, I guess uh, I'm doing, I'm, I'm trying to do like an episode a week right now. And that's been a, a real struggle. Um, just, I think that one of the tough things is like, I did filmmaking and video production for so long that I'm so invested in that side of it that now when I go out and I'm also trying to make photos, it's like, I'm trying to do these like two things at once. And I care, like, sometimes I wish I knew nothing about video so I could just like set the camera over there and let it roll and right. not be so worried about like, Oh, is the exposure going to be like all this stuff. Right. So, um, I'm really just trying to find a way to like do this consistently in a way that isn't making me go absolutely insane and that I still feel feel good about like the the content I'm putting out. So um really moving forward right now it's just like a video a week or every two weeks and just trying to yeah still just make content that um I feel like is going to be uh helpful and useful and entertaining for people essentially. And then you're doing a bunch of video projects as well. Is that still going on? Not much. No, just a little, a little bit here and there, but really not much anymore. Kind of full in on like the YouTube and some other like, you know, online things here and there with photography. But I kind of, kind of departed from the, the whole video production world almost completely. But I'd done it for a long time and kind of lost my, uh, lost, lost my interest in that world. Um, not like the actual craft of it, but just from like a commercial video production standpoint, it really started right. to become like uh, unfulfilling to me. Are you filming all of your um, YouTube videos yourself, or do you ever yeah. have any help? No, all all by myself, which is part of the problem. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That, it's just it, it's just a lot of like I don't mind work and hard work, but it's like it's like creatively and mentally exhausting. Um, it's especially, too much. Yeah. yeah. Especially again, when I'm like, I'll go into them with the, these big ideas too, for like how I'm going to approach it from a filming standpoint and editing. And, and then it's just like my, I'm splitting my energy between the two things. So nothing is getting, you know, the photos and the video aren't getting uh, the energy they maybe should have. Adding that layer of film photography, if, if we were making YouTube videos on digital photography, I think it would be so much easier because think like it's really hard to cut that video until you see the scans, you know, totally. like if I could just see my images on the back of a camera that day, I could probably put out videos next day. But yeah, that's the whole other aspect of it. That just thankful. I'm super lucky. Um, I, my fiance, she quit her job and she's full time on the videography and the editing now. That's nice. I had to quit putting out videos for a while, and just because it's too much. And I did that yeah. nine day road trip and I did that by myself through the Southwest. All my gear was failing because of sandstorms and stuff like that. I was at that point, I was like, "F this, I'm done." Yeah. Um, yeah. But I, I cranked out the last bit of content. And it took me forever to get out the last episode of that. But then she's helping me now, so I just can't imagine you know, still having to do it. You know the the level you're doing is amazing Kyle but that's not sustainable without help it's not no and I'm realizing that for sure and that's that's kind of honestly where I'm at right now is I just had a I had a pretty gnarly last few weeks trying to like get some like obligations done that I had and like mm -hmm. it was one of those like strings of like of time where like a lot of stuff goes wrong and doesn't go to plan like you know film fogging cameras not working ideas not coming together weather like it's pretty much just getting hit with everything at once which like part of me like embraces because i'm like i'm all i'm a big believer that like if you want to like if you want to 
be in it, you, you got to weather the storm a lot. Like you get, you know, to make anything work, any endeavor work, it's a sloppy, messy, challenging process. But, uh, but, uh, yeah, it's, uh, we'll see. I think for me, the next little bit's like refining this and trying to make it work. Maybe that's going to like a video every two weeks. I don't know. We'll see. Right. Yeah. yeah Cause awesome. I, I, I heard you say in one of your recent videos that you were mainly trying to reduce that to work on other projects and, I understand that the book you mentioned about uh, the States is one thing. Is, are there any other projects that you're like gearing up to work towards? That's it right now. And that that's one that's been taken way too long. Cause I, like I was hoping to have it out at like the start of the year, but uh, yeah. I mean, don't take my words of, Oh, are you doing enough? Like doing a book on its own? That's a big deal. Like I, sure. I'm, I'm not trying to undermine that at all. For sure. For sure. No, that's really that's really it. And like, I'll be honest, the uh, I think one of the uh, things that I'm focused on the most right now is um, like balancing personal personal life, which is something like I, I didn't do the best job of in the past. Uh, just being like easy for me to get consumed with like creative work and be all in. And especially now that like we have like a like a little one and stuff. Now it's like, OK, how can I make this how can I make this as flexible as possible, essentially? So I'm still like, mm -hmm. you know, happy with the work I'm doing, but also like can detach because I'm definitely one of those people who like I get I just get consumed with like my creative life. So, yeah, yeah that's that's my big project right now is figuring out how to not be as consumed with everything. That makes sense. So, like, we don't have to get into like romanticizing it or philosophical reasons, but like why 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 film why are, why are you shooting film because digital is brutal <laughs> i'm joking <laughs> obviously yeah no um I, yeah i joke that's like i i think one of my biggest pet peeves is like um people who tell other people why something is great or why something sucks but any anyways for me uh, so for me uh, i went to film school back when I was like 22 or 23 for like motion picture film. So I always had this interest in it, but it wasn't until like uh, three, four years ago when I was like really burnt out. I was doing landscape photography. I was shooting digital and like super burnt out thinking about potentially like quitting. So I was just, I had like no interest in what I was doing anymore. And then that coincided with that big trip we did where we went and lived out of a trailer, traveled around. And it was like this first time in like forever where I had no obligations. I wasn't doing YouTube. I wasn't doing social media. And I was just like, I'm just going to like experiment and like try something that interests me. And I'd always wanted to start shooting film again. So we were in Portland. I picked up a Yashica mat and uh, it just like it kind of sparked big time my like love for photography again. I don't know if it was just like, you know, the old cameras, trying different film stocks. And that that also came with like a discovery of like new new work I didn't know about, new genres, and it kind of just all like compounded into this thing. And then ever since, it's just like, you know, I've, I own a, a Fuji X-T4. I've shot with some of their medium format digital cameras. Like, I think they're all great. I have nothing wrong with digital or nothing against digital, obviously. But like, uh, there's just something about film that for me as a creative really excites me, really works with my process. Um, and I think for everyone, that's super important. If it's film or if it's digital, like whatever it is, I think like, uh, you should use like the tools that excite you. You know, there's so much like you hear like, oh, the gear doesn't matter and this and that. And like, I understand like that when people say that, what they mean to a degree, like, yes, if all you're doing is focusing on gear and not making work, then, you know, you aren't going to ever create anything that's meaningful. But I think gear does matter in a sense of like, 
the the tools if the tools excite you and they add to like this creative energy that's super important and that's why like that's why you should like i think like embrace whatever it is you know if you want to go shoot with a mamiya 7 if you want to shoot with a uh, crown graphic like what whatever tool it is whatever mm-hmm. film stock like you should use a thing that really excites you to get out there and uh, and work with it like it's funny you saying this because honestly one of the biggest one of the biggest gear changes i've had it's not photography related um we were borrowing a uh, a chop saw from from our in-laws and the previous one they had it was good but to get the angles the thing didn't quite click into place it was really really hard to get it sorted it packed up they got another one i'm telling you this thing is so fun to use because it clicks into place you can like use your pinky and it just cleaves through anything so for me that was a big like um realization of okay actually this is where the gear the gear can matter and it's been it has been similar in photography once i worked out that an olympus om1 was the right size i didn't need to think about that aspect anymore which honestly is i think probably one of the most important things like don't get me wrong if you're getting into this absolutely try stuff out you can sell it for what you purchased it for Mm. it won't be a mistake but if anything makes sense to you for goodness sake keep it because otherwise you're going to be real salty in a year when you realize you can't get it anymore or kim kardashian west has just purchased (laughs) one and put it in as suddenly pentax six seven no dice I, I sold my original pen like I bought a Pentax 67 a few years ago and then I sold it because I was like oh, I want to try to Mamiya and then okay. I re I rebought it right and I think I paid about a thousand dollars more which like it I mean it sucks but it is what it is but yeah it's yeah. good it's good yeah, I, I I regret so much selling my six seven even though I, it's stupid I I actually hate them like I'm like the the dumbest person re, like resenting for this I'm like <laughs> at the time it was a brand camera for me the lens was amazing. I sold it to a friend of mine at university. She's still using it. That yeah. makes me happy. She still has it. But for 250 pounds, that 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 hurts. No way. Oh. Just thinking back to it, being like, damn, she got a really really good deal. Really good deal. Oh, yeah. Shucks. <laughs> you know what's um you know what's cool though is like I've I always think about this is like I've had a lot of people like send me messages who are like, hey, like they'll they'll just be like, um. Uh, like, you know, I, I was burnt out with my photography or I was, you know, kind of lost my passion. And then I kind of got, I got into film and like, I watched one of your videos and it helped me figure like this camera out or whatever, but basically just saying like, you know, these, like it reignited my career, like film photography did. And I think that's amazing, right? Like mm-hmm. just like that, a tool can like get someone back into something, um, so I think that's why, it, yeah, it's just like, again, film, digital, doesn't matter. Like whatever it is, I think it's just like you should embrace the things that like excite you to to use. Right. And that put you in a position for success and not success in general, but whatever success you had in your mind when you went out to perform that task. Right. Like does that tool in this instance, a camera enable you to get to that point that you're looking for and if it doesn't like a lot of people struggle with the platform just because everyone on the internet says it's the best but it just doesn't work for them you know mm-hmm. so th- i think they need to let go of that and just whatever gets out of the way but but also from a technical standpoint tools absolutely matter if tools if uh, the tool didn't matter uh a, a like a sumo lux would be 80 dollars, and you could make 
just in a, as an amazing an image with a Sears Roebuck 37 to 106 millimeter f <laughs> 9.75. You know, that's what um, I that's what I use. Right. right. So there's coatings on these lenses. There's things called aperture that can open up and let in more light and less light. So these technical limitations absolutely do matter. Like the, the tool you choose is going to determine the output. Of course, you can push it certain ways in post. Or if you're really creative, you can do that in camera. But not all of us are, are there yet. So tools matter from a technical standpoint. And of course, I think more importantly, um, enabling you to get to that point of success and, and if success is just completing one roll of film that everything's exposed, bam, then that's your tool, right? So it, totally. it does matter. When people say that, it's so annoying when they're like, don't worry. It's another saying like, don't worry, be happy. Like sometimes, you know, like it's not as black and white, you, you know, <laughs> there, there are steps you need to take for everything. Yeah. And, uh, some, some tools will, will get you there faster. So speaking of tools, are, it seems like here lately you're, look, you're shooting more larger format. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, um, my main camera, I would say, is still the Pentax 672. Right. Just with, uh, I got the one, I have the 105, obviously, and then I have a, a 75 mil 2.8, which is like one of the, I think it's one of the, la- or the last lens that Pentax made. It was like made in the 90s or something. Um, so it's one of the more rare ones. Yeah. 70, is that, 70, is that the one that? with the leaf shutter in it? No, no. So there was, a, they made a 75 4.5, and then they made a 75 4.5 leaf shutter but then later okay. on they made a 7528 which uh for me is it's like a i mean it's a pretty cool uh combo for six seven right to like to have like a wide 75 mil lens that's as fast as like 2.8 that, that is pretty awesome yeah so that's kind of like my my setup for that but then i've been shooting uh a lot more uh four by five and by a lot i don't mean like actually a lot because obviously it's a slow process but i've been going out with it a lot more and making a lot of mistakes um but it, it's been fun so i have uh, i had an intrepid that's like what, what kind of got me into large format uh which is an amazing camera especially for the price um i still have it but i just picked up uh it's called like i think it's a i don't know if it's G- Ghibellini or Ghibellini. i think it's Ghibellini. Um, it's like an Italian brand. So it's a Ghibellini a- ACN. It's a four by five camera. Um, so it's just like, it's just like a super refined. It's got like carbon fiber and aluminum and it's, it's like a pretty slick piece. Dang. Yeah. That is, that is fancy. Yeah. So that I just got, and that's what I took on my trip and I didn't field test it. And I, the trip is a bit of a gong show. So, uh, it's been, it, it's just, yeah, it's been a learning process, but, uh, I, I really enjoy four by five but i'm still like I, th- I think i'll always still shoot six seven because for me you know i i own the uh like nikon cool scan here and that's what i use to scan all my work so shooting six seven and using that scanner i can get like the detail and the file sizes are like enormous so it's like uh but four by five still has like it has this like magic to it it has this uh way it renders and depth and you oh, know tons and detail. that's really unique so like, have you been finding the upside down perspective uh, a good thing? Or has it been like a, wait, what the heck? <laughs> like every time you put the dark cloth over, you're like, oh, yeah, it's upside down. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I wouldn't say it's a good thing. But it's been, um, I find that like, so I use like a viewfinder app on my phone to like scout my compositions and stuff. So it's been interesting. Like I find by the time I'm ready to set up my camera, it's like I've already kind of composed it. So I'm just kind of like putting the camera in that place. And so I'm not like, 
you know, it's not like I'm setting the camera up and looking through the ground glass, really trying to like find what my composition is going to be. So it, it hasn't been too bad. It's certainly a, a you know, it's, it's like the first time you use like a, a TLR or something with the backward, like with the reverse. Right. <sighs> oh, and it's yeah. just like driving you insane. It still messes me up with a waist level viewfinder. Yeah. And I get so salty at myself. And I, it's my <laughs> fault every time. It's my fault. Totally. I'm like, nope. No, it doesn't make sense. I don't like it. Yeah. But I find the same with four by five. Like, you know, the more you use it, it's like you get a little more used to uh, used to it every time. So no love for 35, Kyle. <laughs> I you know what I do. I so I, I I have a video going up tomorrow about the contacts G1. Um, I borrowed that off a of buddy. I, and then I have a, a Olympus XA. Um, which actually saved me on this last trip where I had all that four by five sheet film fog. I, sh I was shooting the, the, uh, Olympus as well, just as like a little bit of like insurance. Um, but yeah, I don't know. You know, what's interesting is like when I did a lot of my work in the, in the American West, I was shooting 35 and that was like when I got back into film and, uh, there's like, there's certainly like a freedom and a spontaneity that comes with shooting 35. You know, you have 36 frames you aren't like it's not like six seven or something where like your a roll of film is done pretty quick right so you're always like four by five is another level for me where i'm like <laughs> second guessing everything and I, I think like there's some good in that and there's also some bad in that because sometimes like i'll i'll shoot 35 beside it just as like a backup and there's been a lot of times where i'll get home and i'll be like why didn't i shoot that frame on four by five. So I think, you know, with 35, there's always like a little bit more of that like flexibility to be like, just try something, right? If you see something and it kind of appeals to you, try it. And I think you might discover some things that, that work out surprisingly. Right. Yeah. And then Olympus XA and the contact sheet. Yeah. We, we need to get you a real camera, 35 millimeter. Guy. <laughs> hey, I've, hey, I've, hey, I've, hey. I've never shot a Leica still, which is kind of hilarious um, at this point. Or like I've never shot a, a Leica, I've never shot a Hasselblad, I've never shot like a Rolly Flex. It's like all of these like icons. So yeah. maybe I'm missing out a bit. It it's so weird, man. Like I was the biggest Leica hater ever. Like I, I just I couldn't fathom paying that much for a film camera. And to the conversation we were having earlier about a tool that allows you to get to success faster, I just found with the Leica that I, I was getting to that successful point with each image way faster than slrs i was i have astigmatism so i really struggle focusing through an slr lens and i came from digital photography uh of course it's autofocus so even jumping to slrs was really scary but i stuck with it right because I, I wanted to shoot that and then finding finding a leica man it, it saved me but then just there are people who are like actually offended that you shoot a leica like you should see some of the comments that i receive like oh did you see the one comment about this podcast jack the person talking about they can't listen to this podcast because i'm a leica fanboy <laughs> i did i didn't, didn't want to mention that kyle yeah, people I... talk so much shit to me in the comments about that and it's like what that's really... oh man you know what so like there's the i i love the photography uh community I love the film photography community. Um, like with anything online, there's a lot of noise that comes with yeah. any create any not not even photography, not even the creative community, like with anything, right? And I am trying my best more than ever, especially doing a lot of my work online, to like be very conscious of where I'm placing my focus because it's like I guess like kind of like we talked about earlier, right? You, you know, use the tool that's best for you, all this kind of stuff, like. I just one of my biggest pet peeves is like, again, people like 
people just get like like getting like so attached to brands and telling people what they should and shouldn't use and telling people why something sucks and why something doesn't suck and well there's just like yeah there's so much nonsense and noise that comes with it and I, and my biggest concern like I, I'm at the point in, in my life certainly where like I don't take offense to any of these things it's just kind of like I worry for like photographers especially people who are like new to the craft that they're gonna like not try something or it's going to like limit them from doing a certain something because someone on the internet told them that they're an idiot or something sucks or all this other stuff right like I know a lot there's a bunch of people who won't listen to that but I think there are people even like you know what's been interesting is as like this this like film resurgence has has grown over the past few years there there's more and more like you know uh, hipsters and people only shoot film because it's cool like just all this nonsense right and and even with that stuff i'm just like you know i would hate if that if someone if that ever turned someone away from like trying this because of that noise and then potentially like discovering something that really motivates them creatively and pushes them in like a really great direction that makes sense total sense yeah and and you know what for me uh it did that internet noise, I'm guilty of it. It deterred me from a Leica system for a long time because I was like, if people were just saying, hey, only like fanboys use it, you can't make real images. Of course, I heard a lot of good things about the glass, but that, that was the one step holding me back from being really comfortable with 35 was the rangefinder patch, being able to actually see the focus. Like I, I'm telling you, I struggled so much with SLR focus. I just can't, I can't yeah. see it. Cause every, cause even when it's in focus and astigmatism, you know, it's still a little blurry unless I wear my glasses. And, and that's a real pain to remember to do that when I'm out and about and just keep up with them. And that rangefinder, man, when, when this, when it overlaps, it overlaps. It's, mm. it's in focus unless your rangefinder, of course, is out of adjustment. But for the longest time I avoided it. And then when I did dip in, I messed around with lower end ones with really like dim viewfinders. So it turned me off even more than that. Mm. Really. It was like confirmation bias that rangefinders were inherently <laughs> terrible. Right. And I, yeah. I just didn't go to one of the better providers of rangefinders because also that, uh, the internet trollery going on and, Man, but now I'm there. I love it. And like people said, the M5 is like the ugliest, worst one. And and I have the M6. I bought an M5, and that's what I shoot. This ugly one that the internet says don't shoot. It's ugly. Yeah. It's a piece of crap. It, it life is just so weird like that, dude. Man, but like a lot of these people are so similar to like they're stuck in high school. It's like oh. you mean you're not wearing Nike trainers? Wow. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. You, you can't sit with us. <laughs> it's unfortunate you know those you know those like beer can cameras that people like do reviews on every now and then like they're like the beer can uh, yeah, I, I had one of those yeah like about like, like seven years ago like if i knew someone and they were like stoked and that was like the camera that excited them the most to use and they wanted to go and like spend the rest of their like like career shooting on the beer can camera i'd be like dude that's a, like that's amazing you should use yeah. the beer can camera <laughs> like, yeah I, yeah i'm just like I think we need more like encouragement for people more than ever. I mean, it does sure. have the most exciting film advance that I've actually ever come across. I'm not saying this ironically. <laughs> I love the fact that you twist the 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 oh, like, rim yes. of it, and yeah. you're like, wait, wh- why? It's why like, why did they do that? It's next level. <laughs> so good. Dude. There are people who cannot care to, uh, like my fiance, she, so I bought her like a Nikon F3 and a couple of Zeiss lenses. So I I, I did her right, and we're on what. You know, it's a, it's a road trip of a lifetime, pretty much. 
and she's shooting Kodak Fun Saver disposable cameras and uh, uh, her five-year-old son's Fuji Instax. Uh, nice. uh, you know, we're on this amazing epic journey, and she's shooting it all in like disposable and instant film. And she has great kit, but that's just how she's choosing to capture it. So I really dig that. Yeah, yeah. yeah shoot, shoot what makes you happy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And honestly, there there was like a bit of appeal when I got back into film. Um, like doing digital for so many years and and doing like traditional landscape photography, I was like big into like, you know, like I was like focus stacking and like ultimate sharpening methods. And like, it was all about like, not that there's anything wrong with it, but it was like all about like maximum image quality. And I still, I still do care about that now, but like, it was like just this crazy uh, breath of fresh air. Like, you know, the first year when I was getting back into things and we were on that road trip, like I bought like, I bought some Minolta from like a thrift store and then I bought like a bunch of old um, Polaroid brand 35 mil film from like a church uh, bake sale that we stumbled upon in Nevada. And it's like, you know, here I am like, you know, shooting before with like high megapixels, nice lenses, focus stacking. And like what, like now here I am shooting with like church bake sale film and like, <laughs> like it was just so like opposite that it was hilarious. But it was amazing. I'm like, this is what it's like. This is what it's all about in Absolutely. a way. You know what I mean? Just like embracing the craziness and like having at the end of the day, it comes down to like having fun, enjoyment. Yeah. The images yeah, matter. All these other things matter. But like. You got to make sure you're like things can get so like tight and serious at times that I think it's sometimes it's mm-hmm. good to just like. Yes. Yeah, it's, I mean, when you just said focus stacking, I actually felt <laughs> a bit unwell. I was like, no, it's, it's like, yeah, totally. But that yeah. is. Oh, no, no, <laughs> that, that is anti fun. Yeah. Coming from digital, when I first started shooting film, I was trying to make my film photos perfect, too. And then probably about, I don't know, six months ago. I just stopped caring. And you'll see like in my last few images, last few months of images on Instagram, if it has a water spot on it, a scratch somewhere, I leave it because film is terribly unpredictable and I'm excessively excited about that. You know, and I want to mm. embrace it. And, like, and I know some people look at it and be like, oh, he's not a serious photographer. He still has a water spot or a scratch. Um, you know, I, I'm, I'm experiencing life and capturing on an imperfect medium, and I need to stop trying to make that imperfect medium because that's why I shoot it because it is kind of shitty sometimes. And yeah. so now I'll have like a big water spot in the sky, in a bright blue desert sky, and there's a water spot. And if people don't like it, fuck them. I don't well, care. Think, uh, think, I was there, and that's what happened. You know? Think, totally. think about like if they're getting real upset about it. One, you don't care. Two, you didn't waste your time fixing it. Because a water spot can be a really annoying thing to get done in post. I think back to when uh, we were doing work for university. You'd pop it in the flex tight, hope that it came up not too dusty. Oh, crap, there's some random gunk on it. I can't go back to the thing. And you spend nearly an hour getting this picture, like, pristine, only to print it on, like, 11 by 14, and you can barely see anything. You're like, oh, (laughs) great. But in a crit, there'd be one person who'd be like, uh, actually, there's a spot of dust there that you miss the dust. You like, get a grip. Right. <laughs> yeah, so, my plus deck cleans it up pretty good from a dust standpoint and uh, scratches and stuff like that. But what it doesn't get, unless it's right on the subject, I won't correct it. I'll just leave it. It's part of that image. It's mm, like yeah. that imperfection is. It's interesting. I totally agree. Well, yeah. I think I think with you saying that, like you know, with that being your approach and stuff, I think more than ever, what we need is like people who are cool just like doing the thing the way they want to do it you know like and and more people just experimenting shooting the things they want to shoot 
processing them the way they want to process them using whatever tools they want. Like, uh, I think that's like when people can really like get into it for like the reasons, uh, that make the most sense to them. That's when you start to see, you know, work that's kind of like unique and, and, uh, and different, not like drastically different, but like just right. that's when we start to get some things that are different. Yeah. Uh, like, and just, it makes it easier for you to continue to create if some things are barriers to you getting out more so you feel gratified drop those things for sure yeah yeah 100 percent. so what what's next in the immediate future kyle what what can uh we expect for the, the channel what videos do you have coming out you mentioned something about four by five earlier snowdonia yeah so i got contacts g1 which will be tomorrow obviously by the time this podcast goes yeah. to air that'll be gone and then uh yeah this uh this snowdonia trip shooting four by five um it's funny like i planned for this video i'm like i, I want to do something a little different like i struggle making videos where like i just show me shooting photos and then i talk about the photos i'm shooting just because it's just hard for me to do and I'm, I'm always like i'm wondering if it's actually valuable uh so this trip i was like maybe I'm going to make it about like a little story about like an important message, kind of actually like some of the stuff we talked about, you know, like what's more important, the image or the experience kind of like asking this question. So when I was planning the trip, I'm like, maybe I won't actually like put any images in the video. And then of course, when I go for these two days and shoot it all, I'm like default back to like how I normally do things. And I'm like, now I'm doing this and making this image this way, but now none of the images turned out. So I think it's like a sign to like, <laughs> <laughs> just saying to me like stick with the plan so anyway that that'll be uh my next video afterwards and then uh yeah after that it's kind of like whatever whatever ideas come I, I keep like hoping i keep telling or trying to like be this person who like brainstorms a list of ideas gets really ahead with things but like i feel like i'm good for like two ideas max and I gotta just do them and then like figure out what's next essentially. Yeah. I um when I decided I was gonna start back putting out videos weekly and twice a week starting in August, I did that. I just created this long list of all video ideas. And then you get two in and you're like, Nope, it just completely changes, you know. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And it's also like I also too sometimes I'll write down ideas and then I'll go back and look at them later and I'm like, This is the worst idea ever. <laughs> like I'm pretty glad I didn't make this. <laughs> Yeah, to be trolled on Reddit forever for that idea. Yeah, and I stay far away from Reddit. <laughs> oh, me too, man, for sure. Um, cool. So, Kyle, where can they find all of your stuff? Uh, so, in like Instagram is probably the best place, I'd say. Um, my, you can just look up my name and find me on there, and then obviously on YouTube, same with my name, and just Google Google my name. It'll point you in places. I have. My YouTube channel and I have my podcast, which I haven't done an episode for a couple months now, which uh, I got a new one coming out here in a few days. So getting back on that train, it's just uh, juggling a lot of balls and uh, trying to <laughs> make them all work is difficult. Yeah, and then prints or anything like that, if they wanted to buy those. Uh, I have a few available on my website, like on my portfolio website, but that's uh, that's something that I'm also uh, in the in the middle of kind of restructuring as well. I feel like. Uh, something that I've been dabbling with my whole career and I I'm going to make some changes. So for now, yeah, on, on the website, but uh, we'll see where that goes in the future. That's awesome. Jack. 
You can find me on Instagram at jack.w.allen. And I also sell records at Jack's Record Store. So you can check me out there too. Mac, what about yourself? Your analog AF records and I know, right? Film. Oh man, I'm sending you a heart emoji right now. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you can find me on, on Instagram at Mac Shoots Film and on YouTube as well, Mac Shoots Film. And that's, that's where I'm at. Um, Kyle, I really appreciate you coming on the show. I know it was tough getting you on here. You're busy with the time zone differences. And it's good to have the the real Kyle McDougal. We had uh, low-budget Kyle McDougal, Brian Caparici, on That's last so week. Uh, yeah, Canadian. Because he's a Canadian, we, we <laughs> missed your spot. So we pulled in uh, low-budget Kyle McDougal, and he did an amazing job. So, Brian, if you're listening, <laughs> thank you for that. You really filled the, filled the void for Kyle. And But it's good to have the real thing, Kyle. I really appreciate you coming on the show. And definitely wish you nothing but the, the best success with your channel and, and with the family and, and the kid as well. Yeah, yeah. Thank you, guys. Appreciate you having me on here. All righty. Well, thanks so much for tuning in, guys. We'll see you next time.